0: all right here we are with episode 38 of the florida trail runners podcast and this is the stories from the mid-state mile and on this episode i'm chatting with john parker and jeff forrester they're your two florida dudes at this year's mid-state mile and of course we previously had eric on he's your former floridian So that's kind of the part one, and here is that part two. And of course, the Mid-State Mile is a a 1.1-ish mile course that hosts 340 feet of elevation gain per loop. And that elevation gain is thanks to the two climbs with fast, runnable sections in between them. Of course, we'll get into that during the podcast, as well as how the race restarts every 20 minutes. You're always hitting that mile. The first one, the second one, what goes through your mind? How you prepare mentally for something like this? And, you know, really just the whole culture and the vibes that are out there at the Mid State Mile. So let's kick it off with Jeff and John. John and Jeff. Hey, what's happening? Hey, John. Hey. Oh, man. How are you guys feeling? I'm good. I'm good. I'm honored that you asked me to be on here. Yeah, Yeah. you know, I I love hearing about the Mid-State Mile. Great race. I think it's just one of those lesser-known events that is really as comparable as a lot of the other Last Man Standing races. Yeah, I haven't been
1: to any of the other
0: ones, but it's almost
1: like you don't want to talk about it because you want to keep it as pure and great as
0: it is. (laughs) It's like Fight Club. (laughs)
2: Yes. (laughs) Plus, it's, I mean, I'm talking a little more about, but it's... The vibe they try to get is the family vibe where they invite the same people back first. So they're trying to get the same people to come back year after year, which is cool.
0: Yeah, there's a couple of reasons that does that. I know Badwater does it. Yeah, it just creates, like you said, John, a, a really
1: cool atmosphere because you get to know people and then it becomes a family reunion that, oh, I didn't, <coughs> say, you know, haven't seen you since last year.
2: <laughs> mm hmm. <coughs> so like the Last Man Standing event is just, I just love everything about it. You know, uh, Mid-State Mile is unique because it's its own format. But just the whole thing of being able to see your crew so much during a race, it's usually just chaotic and hoping your crew even makes it to the next location, depending on the race. And then Mid-State Mile is just a whole nother, like level of that. You should be seeing your crew every three times an hour, which is really fun. And then the whole party-like atmosphere and everybody cheering for everybody is just amazing.
0: Yeah, that's uh, it's yeah, that's the cool the vibe of it. Which I'll definitely bring that up as well. But hey, I guess we could kick it off with a little bit about yourselves and what got you into trail running. John, I'll let you go first.
2: Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> My name's John Parker. I live in Jupiter, Florida. Uh, i've Been trail running pretty much for the last about sixteen years. What got me into it, real quick? You know, I was uh I ran a little bit in high school cross country. Hated it. Wasn't that fast did like a about a 20 minute you know 5k or cross country pretty bad and then after high school my buddy shane he sent me you know a text and he's like hey man i'm doing this 40 mile race do you want to do it and i'm just like (laughs) it's like man you're crazy man but back then i was kind of you know young and whatever so i attempted it and went 20 miles in the top 10 and uh after that i just fell off because i really didn't train for the whole thing and i'd walk the next 20 miles it was just terrible and but that kind of got the fire in me and i just had you know yearning to do better at that race went back and ran it a couple times to like fifth place and third place but and then also the same buddy gave me a book on we were doing a job in rochester new york for roofing crew and hey, we went to Barnes & Noble one day, and he's like, here, read this. And it was, uh, I can't remember the title, but it was Dean Carnass's first book. Mm-hmm. And I read that whole thing in two trips to that store. And that just hearing about Western states and everything in that book, just ever since then, it's been no looking back. I mean, I've had a couple of years where injuries and things like that, but I've done a lot of ultras since then.
0: I feel like Dean's book is like the gateway drug for a lot of trail runners
2: <laughs> for sure yeah we were even talking about it at mid because a lot of people somebody was talking about dean and i think it was luke who came in and, uh he was one of the last five or six last year he was second but somebody was talking to him about something he was on and they called him the ultra man or something he's like no don't call me that because you know i'm no dean Carnassus. but we start we had this brief conversation about you know uh in my My take was like back in the day before most of you were running, (laughs) Dean had kind of a bad rep about, you know, he's showboating and trying to, he was doing all these things, but he was never placing in races. But for me, he's the whole reason that I trail run and ultra run. So I think he's brought so many people into the running community and he's just a great guy.
1: Yeah, I would agree a hundred percent. For me, when I read his book, well, first I'm Jeff Forrester. So I, I live in Orlando and I would say I'm new to the, the trail world and relatively new, I would say very new compared to you, John, um, to the just the ultra world. <clears throat> but I read Dean's book now maybe 2010, 2011, and it just really got me into running. So I originally, I'd start, I was never a runner and um, I was a, a fat kid growing up and did not, you know, you know, that's not a good equation for running typically. <laughs> 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 and uh, so like in football practice, I was always the last one across the line in, in um, you know, cause I was, I graduated high school at two seventy, And then when I was 30, I think it was 33, 30 or 33, I started running just a little bit and it would just started out just kind of on the treadmill. I was bored. And then it worked up to like a 5K, and then I had a buddy in 2009 said, "Hey, let's run the Disney Marathon." I go, "Oh, okay, whatever." So we started training, and like most buddies, within about six weeks, I hurt my ankle. I can't keep running. I, you know, I can't keep training. And so, but I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm this far. It's a, it's a pretty cool goal to have. And so I kept training, and I ran the the Disney marathon was my first well i ran a half marathon as a training run and then the disney marathon was my first race and so i was never fast uh, but i i really got into it and really started working so my like my fastest half marathon time was a 204 um and i just wanted to go under two so bad but i just barely missed it and um and then it's gotten slower every year since then but I just like the therapeutic idea of running and reading Dean's book. That's kind of what I got from his, where it didn't translate into trails. It just translated into the, like the like what you can accomplish by running. You know, when he started in that chapter, it was like, yeah, I just made the decision to put on a pair of shoes and go run all night, and I thought that was cool. Then reading about him ordering a pizza and meeting him at that gas station. Yeah, I love that story. <laughs> you know, and then learning how to run while I ate a pizza because he just needed the <laughs> calories. And it was cool. I thought it was, I think he's a great storyteller. Um, and for me, it just motivated me enough to do that. Well, then I started following Chad Wright and his crew. And I'd heard a little bit about ultras before, but, you know, didn't have, I just wasn't in that circle and then when I started following Chad Wright, and he did Bob's Big Backyard, Last Man Standing was the first race that I had followed him doing. Then,
2: and know. I ran within 30 miles on that race.
1: Oh, did you? Oh, that's yeah, cool. I was
2: out there with him for about 30 or 40 miles. Oh, very anyway. cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: and so just from that, you know, just seeing all these these really cool elite ultra marathoners got me into it. And then I ran the fifth, the Hellcat 50K in Greenco Springs last year and this year. Sadly, I think it's going to be the they they think it this year was the last year, but it's a fun race. It goes around the old Navy um, Hellcat Air Force Base. Um it's a, you know, a flat six mile loop, which is a lot of fun. But now doing mid state this past weekend, I see the draw. And I done one other little trail race in Payne's Prairie up in Gainesville. That's where I'm from. And that was a lot of fun,
0: and so I, I I have the bug. That's awesome. Yeah, I think one of the biggest things, at least in the you know the trail community, is the positive energy and those kind of vibes, which I guess we are already kind of touched on. But is that something you see in the
2: trail scene versus like other events? I've never been in other events, so <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I like it so much that it's like just no allure to me to go to anything else i've done one marathon on a greenway but it was almost like a trail type vibe
1: i, I would say for me just again comparing the two that you know the, the road races that i've done and then the the 50k <clears throat> the hellcat 50k and i'm not even putting mid-state in the mix because i think it's unique all to itself is at least the hellcat versus the other ones there's a, a a fun environment just like I think there is in running but I think you have a different breed of people for trail running <clears throat> but because it, it seems like on a rail, a run uh, a road race you cross the finish line you go to your car and you're done you know you might hang out for a little bit but you know you don't have the tents and you don't have a lot of those things that, that come along I think with trail races because of the length of them and then they're just done. So you don't have, <clears> at <throat> least I, I haven't seen a strong a community as I've seen with Trail. And then now the Hellcat 50K, it's kind of like a road race in the sense of most people, as soon as they cross the finish line and they get their medal, they get in the car and they go home and i don't know john if some of the other rate the trail races if when people finish they still stay and linger and hang out to see everybody else come across i don't know if that's normal but that's the way it is
2: usually usually it's a lot of hanging out and like the one greenway marathon i did actually came in second somehow but the first place guy was only two minutes ahead of me and he was gone by the time i finished (laughs) (laughs) like didn't see him again i guess he got whatever he won and he was out of there so yeah there's some truth to that well i know i think i think at mid-state i hung out hung out till uh i had pretty dismal performance for me and i hung out camped slept about four or five hours got up the next morning watched the race till like three or four in the afternoon when i had to go because it was just so so cool and Me and Justin who won. We've become pretty good friends since uh, the murder mile in December. You know, talked a lot on Instagram. So seeing him come out on top was awesome. He's such a great guy. Yeah, I love that guy. He's so entertaining and he's just a fun guy.
0: yeah he had a great um, episode of the Tortoise in the Hare. that's Pat- Patrick Reagan's uh, podcast. He had a great episode with him. that's really how I you know got familiar with who he was.
1: Yeah and he did another one with it's the adventure running guys, I think it is.
2: Um, yeah and another one, I think with uh, something jogging, casual jogger or something like that. I listened to that one it was really good. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah
1: yeah, He's, he's got a, a great story And just the, to see the work that he puts in and, I, and again John You can correct me if I'm wrong It just seems like that the trail running Group are definitely more Open to share Their training, their nutrition Their, like whatever is Needed That they're Ready and willing to share And it seems like the road's probably a little more Private
2: yeah, so so I went out, uh, so to get in the Mid-State, they like to have family, so to come in this summer, I wanted to come in December to get my spot for the summer, and I had no clue, and to back it up even a little further, I lived in Nashville, Tennessee for like the last eight years, till about a year ago, so Bellevue, which is... The course is about 15 minutes from where I was living right before I moved down here. And the funny thing is, I never knew about it till (laughs) I think it was like the first year or something. And somehow I saw it on Instagram or I don't know. And I'm sitting at work, you know, on the weekend in my office and watching this race take place right by my house. And I'm just sitting there like getting an (laughs) answer, like, man, I wish I was there. I wish I was there watching. And I worked in a town called Shelbyville, which actually is funny enough. It's 10 minutes from Biggs Backyard Ultra. So, like, for eight years, I worked 10 minutes from the Biggs course. And then this happens, and I'm at work when I find out about it. <laughs> and I don't actually get involved till I move to Florida. So, I'm like, I want to run this summer. So, I'm going to go out there in December just to, you know, hang out. So, go in December it ends up being unseasonally warm which is great it's like 50s day and night and I'm just out there running loops and the first time I get to that first hill <laughs> my legs are on fire I'm like man they weren't kidding <laughs> <laughs> and so but as as you go on you know it doesn't it for me it really didn't seem to get any worse it just and actually got better over time and like The first 26, it took Justin 26 miles to loop me out there, which I'm pretty happy with. So, like, I was right there with them, and somehow him and I, it's kind of weird, because the second place guy that year, like, I only saw him a couple times, but Justin and I kept, like, somehow, like, passing each other back. So, I saw him a lot and kind of got to know him. I didn't know anything about him before that. Uh... I had a little bit of a digestive issue in the middle of the race and it took me three or four hours to get over. So I think he finished with 84. I finished with 69 miles. He beat me pretty bad, but I got third place <laughs> somehow. But since then, I've really kept in touch with him and John and Becca, the race directors are awesome people. I got to know them outside of social media at that event and... Since then, they crewed me for... I did a 100-mile attempt at a FKT at a local Nashville park that I ran in for a long time, and John and Beckett crewed me. It was just the three of us. So after, like, 50 miles, they kind of ran with me. The rest of it It's about them. They came out and helped me out. Then afterwards, like, it's like so what are you doing now? It's like, I don't know. <laughs> they invited me over to their house. I took a shower, and finally a buddy came and picked me up. Uh, so they're but- they're part of the reason the race is so good is because they like the family atmosphere they care about their runners and even like Jeff you were saying you think that trail runners help each other out like Justin and I communicating uh, he's like if you need anything man you need any workouts or leg strength and exercise let me know man like it was no there's no secrets like you said it's like this is what I'm doing if you need any help let me know I got some advice for you and I'm like No, I don't need your advice. Apparently I (laughs) I do. (laughs) Maybe just a little bit, right? Well, I mean, I do pretty good in most races, but you know, I moved to Florida and I don't think mid-state was really my A race for the year, and next year will be. So both of you guys have done, you know, the last
0: man standing format as well as kind of your standard start and finish course races. I guess I'm kinda curious to what What's the big difference between the the two race formats? Well, for me,
1: it's the time, especially. So I don't know if you're familiar with the the Mid-State Mile and the Tennessee Mile. Are you familiar with both formats, Joseph? I am, but other people might not be. So so just so your listeners know, there's two different formats. So the Tennessee Mile, which is in December, that's just you run as long, you know, as fast as you want to run. And I think it's 6, 8, 12, 24, and 40-hour time limits. And you can just run them as fast or as slow as you want. If you want to do one lap an hour, you do one lap an hour. doesn't matter. Um, and so there's no lap timer going. So that takes a lot of pressure off. I didn't do December, but I almost feel like I'm, more, I'm built more for the December race um, than the because I'm not fast anyways. And then mid-state mile is it's 20-minute laps. So he has a computer program that at 8 a.m. sharp, the computer starts, and it beeps every 20 minutes. So, like, you can't start at 8.03, you can't start at 8.01. It starts at 8. And every 20 minutes, that thing beeps. And if you're not in the corral, when that when he blows that whistle, you're out. doesn't matter if you're a foot away or if you're um, 10 feet away or hundred feet away, whistle blows, you're done. So for me, that created a different challenge because I knew I was up against the clock. And, and I think for those that are even good runners, because I'm not a good runner over time, that starts to get tough. And so the, the strategy that most people take is in that 18 minute time frame to give them two minutes to rest And then as that start that rest period gets shorter and shorter and like for me um when you have to sprint your next to last lap just to make it in before the whistle you know you're pretty much done on the next lap (laughs) because it's too tight so for me it was this exhilarating feeling of sprinting down the the last little runway to get into the corral before he blew the whistle and then realize i gotta keep going (laughs) <laughs> I got to run straight through and can't get anything. And so it's like you're in this high because you feel like you've just won the gold medal and then you come crashing down to realize like, oh, I can't rest. <laughs> so I think that's that was at least the difference for me is that timer for this one is that there's no end in sight except every 20 minutes.
2: Yeah, that was a good description. Uh, and for me, like, I'm not a fast runner, but like for... Smaller scene I usually am I did pretty well, but the 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 last man standing format for me is just so hard (laughs) Because like when I like to do a race I want to go out and run as fast as I can and like will pace myself and usually that works out well for me but this race it's like trying to figure out how fast is too fast and how slow is too slow to give yourself enough time and like getting back and trying to save energy so you have, you know, a couple minutes to get something to eat, maybe change your shoes or whatever you need to do. It just gets... I just struggle with that format. But some people are awesome at it. And, like, you know, I was, I was talking to somebody and saying that, you know Justin's good or Eric or whoever was one of those last guys when they're so good. You need to be to the point where one lap... It's easy for you because if it's hard, you have one thing go wrong and you're probably going to be timed out or you're not going to, it takes two or three laps for you to recover. That's probably too much. So it's just being able to consistently keep going at that pace. Even if something goes wrong, keep going and hope that it works out eventually. And uh, it's just something about it's addicting too.
1: It's the patience. Like you have to have, you have to be very patient and willing to for the monotony of it because <laughs> you know you get to the point where those guys late in the race they were so good like you could look at the timer and like yep they'll be here in less yep. than a minute and sure enough even at night when typically people are slower they just maintained. i stayed up i, I slept for about an hour hour and a half but it was incredible to watch them come in consistently at the same time they were still in that 17 to 18 minute lap time and sometimes a little faster sometimes a little slower but it was it was really cool to see
2: another thing that makes these races awesome is that it's like you know who's probably going to do well like Justin and Eric the two guys that went at it at the end they both trained specifically for this race really hard for a year in years, really, but specifically for the last year. But then you have somebody who's only done a 10K come out and do 30 miles, or you got someone like Jill who's never done anything like this, and she is in the top seven. She sets the record for the longest distance for a female ever. And it's just people like that, it's inspiring to see because you never know what people are capable of. They don't know what they're capable of. And then, even then... She would have dropped out a lot earlier, but she kept coming in. And the guys that were left, were, they were slowing down to help her get through the run. And then it was funny because there was two or three laps where she's like, I'm done. I've had it. I'm done. She's sitting in her chair. And everybody's like, no, you got one more lap. You got one. No, I can't do another lap. And she goes out and runs another three or four miles. <laughs> her, like She's defeated. It's, it's something about the format. It's just amazing. When you come into that corral you want to get back up and you want to keep moving if you made it in time
1: it it tests your mental fortitude i think more than a regular race because of, for that very reason
0: yeah cuz i heard from eric you know you become emotionally invested you know in the rest of the field it's almost like a you know a shared experience definitely
1: 100% it it would it for sure was with the last 7 like they they made a nickname for themselves and there was four or five laps overnight if not more they all came in together as a group like they all ran together as a group and most races you would never see that because of the you know everybody wants to beat each other but here it's not a time thing so it's like as long as we make it into my 17 18 minutes i don't mind running with you So it was really again it was fascinating to see which was completely different from last year i wasn't there in 2020 um, but you could just tell it wasn't a you know every man for himself it was how can we each come together to help you go another lap um
2: so that was cool. yeah yeah talking to Justin before the race you know and I like I said I had a terrible race but the conversations were man we're gonna push each other we're going to get further than anyone did last year like it was about we're going to like i can't do it on my own but us together which is exactly what happened in the races you know i think i think i heard justin say it i think i heard eric say it, you know i wouldn't have made it this far had there not been this camaraderie between us and uh even one of my i took a little video clip and it's the guys all coming in with jill young let last woman standing last woman standing like, she was about to drop. I think she went for five or six more miles after that. But it was like she told them she was done after that. But they kept her going. <laughs> and uh, Luke, who I've never met till this race, uh, he came in second last year to Chad. But this year, the whole entire race, he was talking to a different runner. And, like, what's going on, man? Like, how you doing? you ever run before or done an ultra before? Because we were about... The 16 or 17 laps I did, like, we were always about the same spot, about halfway through it, and then he took off. But, and then uh, I even got, like, on my GoPro a little clip, and it's him, and then I think the guy's name was Isaac. And this is when it's down to six or five, and, like, I'm running behind him, and he's, like, Isaac's, like, man, I'm really breathing hard when I'm going up these hills, and Luke's, like, yeah, man, you're hitting your lactic threshold, and uh, just giving him advice, and it's, like... <laughs> A normal race, you're bl- a normal ultra. You're like, man, I hope this guy blows up, or I hope this guy <laughs> <makes> the wrong <laughs> turn, because that's when I'm going to make my move. You know, you're in the normal ultra, uh, 50 mile or 100 mile. It's like the idea is that no matter what goes wrong for me, I'm going to keep going because somebody else is probably going to have problems, and that's how I'm going to win this race, or I'm going to place, or. Move up in the standings, whatever you want to say. (laughs) This race isn't like that at all. At least, especially this year, even the last two, it's like, how far can we go?
0: Yeah. So, I guess before we, you know, really talk about the course and how it went for you, how was your trip up? Did you guys fly or drive? So, I drove up. So, I went and saw some friends up in
1: Georgia on Wednesday, and then I drove over and I camped on Thursday. And it was so unbearably hot. <laughs> we, we looked at the, the temperature and it was a, uh, about 1130 at night and it was 97 degrees was the feel light. And I've never slept outside in heat that bad. It was oppressive to the point where we, we pulled bottles of cold water out of the cooler and laid them on our necks to cool us off so we could at least go to sleep. It was nasty. Um, But it was fun. It was good. So,
2: yeah, I drove up, too, from Jupiter. So about three hours south of you, or a little less. And uh, it's like no matter what I try to do, I cannot get sleep before these races. So I I drove to my in-laws in Melbourne, spent the night, slept like two hours. Then I drove to Nashville. I was like, I'm not going to sleep in a tent because I know I won't get sleep. But the two (laughs) nights leading up to the race, I still don't get any sleep. I probably had like eight hours and three nights. (laughs) <laughs> and just a side note, because, you know, the heat, I moved down here, and all the local guys give me such a hard time about, oh, you ought to try that when it's hot and stuff. I was like, man, it is hot in Nashville. <laughs> I had to, like, do a comparison of, like, the average for July, and it was a one degrees difference. <laughs> it gets hot there, and actually gets hotter by the beach, you know, the highs are 87 degrees almost every day, maybe 90, but... Nashville in the summer gets up to 100 as now you know Jeff
1: (laughs) Well yeah and at least for you know when you're in Florida and you're near the coast you're getting steady breeze Yeah. so Thursday night there was zero air I mean (laughs) there there was no movement whatsoever we were in a tent next to the tree line and it was just it was great because it provided shade but oh sun it was hot so for people that aren't familiar with the race what's cool is becca's dad it's his land that he grew up on so they have a house right there so you have the course behind his house on one side and you have this big grassy field over on another where the, everybody can park but they can also camp so you have this year there were more campers than there were last year meaning <laughs> like trailers um, but you got people that are intense hanging out and again that's part of the i think the allure of this race is it's you want to. You don't want to go. You want to stay and watch the whole thing and watch everything, <clears throat> and it just creates a, a really cool atmosphere.
2: Yeah, and it's fun too. Is uh, the whole the whole thing is just great. But like this year, they I don't know how it usually is. It wasn't like this in December, but like they have these big tents set up, and every runner, it's either you share like a tent, like a little personal tent, like uh, event tent for you and like three other runners, or You each get one little spot under this tent, and you get your chair and one cooler and one person to crew you. At the beginning of the race, we have 85 people, and as the race starts dwindling, it's like once you're out, you get your chair and you get out of there. So you could just see, like, (laughs) eventually, you know, I got cut pretty early, but towards there's hardly anybody. It's funny to watch that area just clear out, and eventually it's like, Eric right here and Justin on the other side.
1: (laughs) Yeah, like each, each person kind of commandeers one of those tents. They're like big wedding tents, <clears throat> but before it's packed. And um, so it, it makes it for fun to try to move around when there's a lot of people.
0: Yeah, so now that you guys have traveled to Tennessee, you're all set up. How does it feel to line up for that first time?
1: I, I mean, for me, it was exhilarating because last year I was there as a crew member. And so being able to see it and watch it, I helped crew Aaron Dana last year, who was third last year. So it was, it was different. And what was fun about last year is you get to see everything unfold, not just for your runner that you're working with, but everybody else, which was incredible. And then this one, it was just different. Um, I timed out, I didn't train at all. And then I timed out on the fifth lap. So, John, you did way better than I did. Three times better than I did. Um, you know, But for me, just the time that I went out there, I was it was exciting because you're in this group that I've seen. I've watched all these people do this. And now I'm on this side of it. So it was a lot of fun for me.
2: Yeah, it's, it's pretty awesome. And uh, you got all these guys in this big group. And everybody takes off. And it's a pretty wide trail the whole way. Like, uh, Supposedly the like starting road is some old logging road, so it's wide. But still, it's like nobody – well, probably half the people there have no clue about how fast to go or how fast should I climb up this hill and how far is the first hill and all these factors. So, like, trying to – for me, it was like I want to get – because I'm a pretty good climber. I wanted to get to the front of the pack. And then climb that hill and then just trying to figure out what pace to go, every loop, you know, how fast is too fast, how slow is too slow. So everybody's out there kinda of figuring out even the experienced guys are kinda, of, you know, the first loop or two trying to get back in a groove. And uh it's just pretty epic. And then climbing up the hill, that first hill, everybody's tight at that point. So you can hear a million different conversations going on and it's, it's so epic.
1: <laughs> well, I know this much. It wasn't me. I wasn't talking on the climbs, that's for sure. <laughs> I was trying to conserve everything I could, because that hill just goes on forever. Like, you don't think you're ever going to get to the top of it.
2: Well, as a, a Floridian, officially now, like, I'm not as good at running downhill as I used to be, so my, <laughs> I'm pretty strong at the hill, so I was usually in the top three or four guys up the hill, but by the time we got to the bottom of the second hill, I was maybe mid-pack or worse, <laughs> <laughs> trying to save those quads. So that's and that's the other thing. It's like trying to play to your strengths if you have any goals there. It's just strategy, you know. When I'm, I'm going to get my poles in eight hours, so I'm going to try to save my quads till then. Take this hill slower go up faster. So it, it's a little bit of back and forth between all the runners, depending on their strengths.
0: Yeah, because I guess the pacing plan. If you've never been out there before, the pacing plan is kind of, I guess, ignorance is bliss. But I guess take me into your first mile. You know, kind of how'd that first mile go? And obviously, like, what's the course actually like out there? Because I know you guys have mentioned the hills.
2: So, it starts out and it's the first quarter mile. It's this old logging road. So, it starts out, it's really a bunch of mulch for about, I don't know, 100 yards, maybe a little more. And then it kind of it's the only exposed part. So the it's probably about a quarter mile at the end of the course, the corral, and after the corral, maybe a little more that's exposed to the sun. Everything else is shaded. So not far, 100 yards in, and you drop into the woods. It's this little dip into this creek bed that's pretty dry, so you don't have to get your feet wet if you're careful. And then you get up through that, And there's just this tiniest little hill, which in a race like this and the pace, most people (laughs) walk, even though it's only maybe 15 feet high and it's 30 yards. And after you reach the top of that, you run for, I don't know, it's not a long way. It's less than a quarter mile. So probably like 0.15 of a mile. And that brings you to the base of the first hill and the first hill as far as steepness, is the worst. (laughs) So the grade is anywhere from like 15 to, not 15, it's like 20 something percent. So it's no joke. And it's a, I don't really know how tall it is, but I know for me, like I'm about the whole race, I was anywhere from six to seven minutes in at the top of that first hill. And then, but once you get to the top of it, there's a nice ridge line that's very runnable. It's even a little bit of a downgrade or, you know, decreased elevation on it. And that brings you to the opposite side of that hill, which is almost like a U. So you go up and then you kind of loop and you're not far from the... When you get to the bottom, you're really close to the base. And that hill is equally, if not more steep going down. And it's kind of rocky. There's like a little gullies from the rain coming down it and there's not a lot of room so it gets pretty tight on the right side you have a room for about two people wide and then there's a little bit on the left side where you could fit a person so you know as slow as I was going I stayed to the left the whole time almost and kind of trotted down and there's you know people running down get to the bottom of that and you probably have you kind of cross back over the logging road And you loop around, and you have about another tenth of a mile, and you're at the base of the next hill, which is a lot better than the first hill. (laughs) It's shorter. It's not quite as steep. And it's it's just easier to climb. And then the top of that hill, you know, I don't know how far you are. Maybe another quarter mile, three-tenths of a mile from the finish line. So you start in this race, start... Trying to, at least for me and most, I think most people, you try to start getting mental times in your head. When did I reach that? And once you kind of figure out what you're doing, you try to keep that same pace. You put little like top of the first hill six minutes, the bottom of the first hill ten minutes, and try to get those little mental checks in your head. If that's a comfortable pace, try to keep it. See, the last the last uh, hill going down too is equally not as steep. Is the first downhill So the first part's the worst The second's bad, but it's not as bad It's runnable And then you get to the base of that And you have this long straightaway And there's tents set up So usually there's people around At the bottom cheering you on Like you're coming into the finish of a race But you're only coming to the finish of the loop
1: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly They're cheering you on And you're like,
2: wait a minute, I gotta go back out? (laughs) It's like, I just
1: saw you 18 minutes ago Or 20 minutes ago yeah, different people. So I carried, I wore a vest and I carried tailwind in a bottle just so I had something with me. I drink a lot when I run, so I wanted to make sure I have it. But most people didn't carry anything with them. and But just because they had, you know, three minutes or so to be able to get back in and get something to drink. Um, but then when you saw people that started, you know, coming in 18 and a half and they just weren't coming in fast enough, you could see them not drink enough. So then we'd you know try to get them to to drink you know carry something if they had it just so they could drink while they're on the course. So a lot of people were drinking on the downhills um, and on the flats and then just powering up through the the top.
2: Yeah, I carried a handheld the whole time and like uh, sometimes like after I had stopped, I think I was actually sitting by you, Jeff. <laughs> just didn't know it, but uh, <laughs> what were you wearing an orange hat?
1: I was wearing an all-day running hat.
2: I think I might. I, I know you and I are I, out there.
1: I always ran in the back, so.
2: <laughs> no, I'm talking about after we quit.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. I was all over the place. I was, I, I had a, um, what was my hat? I had a Salty Britches hat on most of the day. Okay. And then a gator boonie, like a gator bucket hat.
2: But the rules of the race, too, are you have to be in the corral. and You finish the loop, and you get in the corral. There's these little green markers across where you had to pass that line before the, the next loop starts or be in the corral. And then, what is it, probably 50 yards, 30 yards is the size of the corral. But as the race gets uh, for each individual person, you know, the idea is the timeout and not to give up so people are coming in and like you're you're looking at your watch and it's like well we got about 19 minutes in if somebody's going to come in and then you see him turn a corner and everybody starts screaming and yelling and this is happening all day long it's like come on man you got it you know you can make it (laughs) and so the rule is you get in in time you can go on the next loop but once that whistle hits you can't grab anything from your crew and there was quite a few times where people were crossing with two or three seconds and they didn't have time to get that water or gel or whatever they needed and they just went straight back out rather than saying I didn't get the drink or I didn't get to eat I'm just gonna go back out because it's only 1.1 miles and that's when it's kind of like the epic part about the whole race is just seeing those people come in with no time but they make it and they go straight back out without getting any nutrition
1: yeah and wow without <laughs> and without hesitating either yeah that happened a couple times in the night with some of these guys that have been pushing for you know 16 hours plus and you could tell they're just they didn't want to give up but their body wasn't functioning and they'd come hobble in and one guy he crossed like, with less than a second like it turned zero right when his foot crossed the the cones yeah. and he just had to keep going. He just, there was no other option and he's carrying poles. So he had nothing in his hands. Um, so he had no nutrition for another lap.
2: But the cool thing about these races is that I'm speaking from being at Bob's in Ohio a couple of times. It's like some of the guys that barely make it or almost don't make it. It didn't really happen in this race, but like, Ron, I think his last name is Weirman. He won the Bigs in Ohio last year. He was about to quit 50 miles in because his stomach was messed up, but he ended up going 168 miles and winning the thing. (laughs) That's crazy. (laughs) And uh, so he had that low point, but in a race like this, like I was saying earlier, (laughs) if you're strong enough to make it through that loop easily, even with something, you know, messed up, you keep going and you get it back together. And even for me, like just observing this one, like Justin, (laughs) I was still going at this point and like, I don't know if it was him or Luke yelled something out at the starting line. I'm not going to repeat, but like 10 steps in, Justin's like projectile vomiting onto the side of the trail. And then the next thing you know, he's saying something funny out of his mouth. (laughs) (laughs) And apparently like during the night, he like really was vomiting bad. So, you know, he's such a strong runner and he's trained so hard for this race that he was able to run through (laughs) vomiting like crazy. (laughs) And then you had a guy like Eric who he went head to head with at the end. And Eric, he looked the same the entire time I was there. Oh, yeah. Uh, Like, I left almost 30 hours in and he still, he just had this, you know, focused energy about him and i never once saw him waver or change his pace at all it was just awesome
1: it is fun the more you go and you watch you you start to learn people's eyes like i got to the point where i look at people's eyes and you can tell like yeah they're not going to be much longer and there were several instances with everybody but eric including justin i'd look in their eyes going yeah i don't know if they're going to make it I don't know if they're going to make it another hour because you could just see that they were the distress that their body was going through. And then after that, like Justin got to the night. He looked good again. But Eric just, I mean, every single lap he'd come in, had that sparkle in his eye and he looked like he was ready to rock and roll. He was quiet. Nothing. And then Lucas Revard, he did the same thing. He was uh, number four, I think, that made it. And nobody even knew who he was. I right. had the benefit of, um, I was on the basic course with him back in 2020 and, or 2021. And um, and he's run a bunch of um, ultras and he's done a couple of things over a hundred miles, but I didn't think he was going to look as strong as he did. Um, and really, even when he tapped out, it was more because of his knee than it was his overall body. So. It's fun to watch. And again, even if you don't run it, if you're close or you want a good weekend on a Father's Day weekend, you've got to go and watch and observe. It's incredible.
0: Yeah. So I guess the big thing with the eyes and obviously, you know, some of the stuff that you guys have observed, you know, what's it feel like knowing that? All right. We're already in this race. Are there any like uncertainties knowing that there's no predetermined finish or like cutoff?
1: I think if for for people that are probably of John's caliber, I would say it's different than my caliber because, you know, I know that there's going to be a finish. <laughs> and I know it's not going to be 40 hours away. Um, so I think it would be and it'd be interested to hear John's answer. But for me, it's just, you know, the finish is goals that I have just to go one more. Um, and I had a mental number just based on what I knew my fitness level was. And so by timing out on number five and not being the first person out, that was the first question I asked John when I came across, because I timed out with like 30 seconds (laughs) on the last lap and I came across and I stuck my, so he cuts your wristband off. For those who haven't been there, you have to extend your hand ceremoniously and he makes some kind of a sarcastic (laughs) remark. Um, And then My first question was like, was I the first one out? He's like, no, no, no. You're like three or four. I was like, okay. (laughs) As long (laughs) as as I wasn't the first one out, then I'm good. Um, But so I'd be interested
2: to hear John's question. Yeah, so much. There's a lot of good points right there. but uh, Yeah, because it's a mind game. Yeah. Like coming in December. Yeah, it's all like on paper, this is so easy. (laughs) In December, you know, I came out and I did almost 70 miles, which is barely under pace of what you would need to do for making the 24-hour goal. I think it's like 74 miles. And, you know, I've had a a lot of good training. I did that 100-mile race I was on your podcast for earlier in the year. That went really well for me. I did 100-mile FKT, most miles I've had in a year. It's like all is going well. And, you know, I thought... Going into the race, my plan was to make it no less than a day. Like, I was going to be pretty upset if I didn't make it over a day, which (laughs) I made it six and a half hours. But, you know, in every last-minute scene that I've done, it's, you know, if you start thinking about the next loop or how much further you might have to go, it might be uh, five hours or it might be 30 hours that really gets in your head so it's just having the mentality that just I feel good what I need what do I need to do trying to enjoy the moment you know I'm kind of a fun going guy so I like to chat with people around me and make jokes and stuff like that which this year I wasn't making (laughs) 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 I wasn't making many jokes because I just felt terrible it was just not good but you know it's definitely mental if you start thinking about, oh man, even if I had to go as far as I want to go, it's still, you know, that's 20 hours, that's 20,000 feet of elevation gain, loss, all the things that could go right and wrong. So it's just being in the moment and trying to stick to the plan. And unfortunately for me this year, that was not good, but, you know, I'd say for me, like, <laughs> I'm more motivated than ever to go back next year and, you know, get my revenge on the course.
1: <laughs> well, you said it earlier, John, too, is I, I. I feel that you talked about being in the moment. Is there such a, Doesn't matter how fast you are, there's such a small margin for error. Right. And so if you, if you're not paying attention on the lap that you're on, whether it's lap three or lap 30 or lap, 90 you have to have the same attention to your your body function check your nutrition and your time like you you can't take your eyes off of that loop at that moment otherwise you're done because it's impossible to look any further ahead than finishing the lap that you're on and getting in that corral and getting back out
2: yeah that's another interesting thing about these races is doing your own race. It's really hard to get caught up. If you're trying to compete in one of these races, it's really hard to get caught up in what other people are doing. So, like for me, I knew from my experience into November, like, or December, I was the first one up the hill almost every time, the whole time we were there. But I knew going down, I got passed by almost everybody. So I knew this is my strong point, is going up these hills. So... Having that strategy, no matter what Justin Hamilton's doing or Jeff Forster's doing or whoever's doing, this is what I'm going to do. So when you start, and some of the people in the lead online have alluded to this, is like I wasn't running my own race. Aaron, I think his name's what's his name last name? Aaron O'Dana or Aaron Dana? Mm -hmm. Aaron Dana. Like he even said, you know, last year I did my own thing. This year I kind of was not doing my own race, and it took me. Till that night to really get into my own thing doing what other advice that people had given him or other paces that he wasn't planning on so it's running your own race and running to your what's your strong points and not getting caught up because it's 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 fun to go fast with some guys down the hill or come in together at that finish line but if that's not your strategy you probably shouldn't do it
0: (laughs) yeah that's a big point that annie matthews brought up too with the uh the lake to ocean um episode was talking about you kind of have to run your own race and forget about tomorrow tomorrow doesn't exist only right now Mm
2: -hmm. Mm
0: -hmm. because you could think like tomorrow you know there's a football game or you know the lightning's playing but that's just going to distract you from what you're trying to do. And that goal you're trying to crush right now. And and, and I even thought a lot, and I
1: know you guys probably have as well is how close it correlates to life and how you have to live each day. But it's so easy to get off track and think about lap 50 when we're still on lap four. And I can't worry about lap 50. I haven't even made it there yet. But how often do we worry about lap 50? Uh, and so that, those were a lot of the thoughts that I had when I was going through it. And then a couple of times on my last lap when I knew I was so slow on the climbs and I knew if, if I made it, it would be really close. But when I got to the top, as slow as I was taking, I like, OK, you're at the top. You're not climbing anymore. You can run. Your heart rate's gonna come back down and you can run. Doesn't matter if you hear the whistle or not, you finish running because you physically can. Don't give up on yourself. And so it was a big win for me because it was the battle on that last hill. It's not that it's not a bad hill on the last one, but I was so slow on the first one um, that I was like, okay, I could just walk the rest of the way. I'm like, no, you're at the top. Your heart rate's down enough to run, run. Just finish and you know push and I did and so I felt good about it because I didn't allow the negativity in my head just like you've already timed out don't worry about it just walk in nobody's going to say anything like no I'm I'm going to run through this thing
2: that's always in the back of your mind even no matter what your goal is it's like oh man I could I could just time out here and hang out with my wife and watch everybody run (laughs) or But that's it. the two, the, uh, what you are saying doesn't matter if it's flat 50 or so. It's kind of it's like a real ultra. It's, it's, you just keep going, and if you're running a 50-mile or 100-mile, or it's like 25 miles in, you might feel like death, but you know that wall, that famous wall that's for ultra runners. You're going to make it through it, and you're probably going to have another high, depending on what you're out there to do so like for me that's what i was just trying to push through and push through and i think i pushed through for five hours <laughs> <laughs> like and like <laughs> finally it was it was on and off like this bloating is just crazy i felt like vomiting i couldn't vomit and <sighs> trying to drink and finally when i wouldn't drink my bloating would go down but then i wasn't drinking anything it's like if i'm gonna last and i had to drink so i'd done drank a bunch when I got back down to the bottom and it's like my stomach's like a balloon and just filled right back up and finally like I peed one time and it was just dark yellow and (laughs) it's like I knew my race was about over then and made it one more loop and just couldn't get it together but the whole point is you know it's like any race I feel like ultra correlates to life so well it's just things are gonna go bad (laughs) And it's just, you know, life, keep moving on. The, the longer you live this life, the you're going to have some issues and you're going to have some hardships come up. So move through it and live to that next loop. <laughs> yeah, and that's to your point
1: also, John, is to, to go a little bit back to what we had said at the beginning, is the community. Like you would see people time out. And they would have, you know, cause they came prepared to run mm-hmm. and they, um, they'd give their water, their bananas. They're like, do you need anything? They'd stay and help crew, you know, cause Eric just came with himself. And then by the right. end of the race, he had a crew. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it, and that's what to me, it gives you hope. I made a, a post afterwards. It's like, when you go to one of those weekends, to me, it filled my soul because you have hope in humanity because there's, there's no divisiveness there. There's no, you know, red or blue. There's no this side of the aisle or that side of the aisle. It's everybody wanting to see each person do well and do what they can to help them. And so for me, it's just, it was like something that I needed. And um, just from seeing how, if you just step back and seeing how each person interacts with each other and wants to see people succeed and offer their expertise and their knowledge If they see somebody struggling, they go ask a question and they'll go, well, you don't have that. Here's some salt tabs. You need this? Take Mm -hmm. this. And it's just really cool.
2: Yeah. Yeah, that's the best part about it. And I think the the longer, you know, as the years go on and they keep this family atmosphere, like, I want to go back. And I know Eric, the second place guy was saying, he's like, I'm going to come back every year. So you, you start going back and it's like your buddies, like in Ohio, like some of my good running buddies now, I've gone there two years, supposed to go back this year, probably won't, but it's like, it's kind of like family and, and it's all about that, man, how long, like seeing my buddy Jeremy make it hundred miles for the first time in Ohio was just awesome. And same thing at uh mid state mile is just seeing people succeed. Nobody wants, everybody wishes it could just keep going and going and going. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah,
0: because that's the big thing with either, you know, success or failure. I guess it's all um, it's all to the, to the individual perspective, right? Mm-hmm. And of course, like, just like life, in an ultra, you should never make that decision. Either you're in, you're out, or what you're going to do when you're at the highest of your highs or the lowest of your lows.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, that's a good point.
1: Yeah, because like Jill, we'll use her as an example in one of those last laps. You know, she she was coming in seventeen, eighteen minutes. Mm-hmm. Like she was coming in with them, with without, didn't look like a struggle, but she had been struggling since the night. But the and John, you might remember this lap. She came in, and it was the last of like I think her last two or three laps. She came in, and she was the last one in, but she still had plenty of time. So it wasn't mm-hmm. like she was cutting it close. And she sat down. She's like, I can't. Yeah, I can't. I'm done. I can't and everybody's trying to cheer her on and her her crew guy can everybody just hush for 30 seconds and let her listen or let her think <clears throat> so she sat down and she just kept muttering I can't I don't want to I can't and he never said anything he just kind of looked at her she asked some question about the clock he answered that and then John blew the the one minute whistle
2: and she stood up <laughs> Yeah, I was like okay, I started hearing too
1: yeah I was like I was I mean that's those are the moments that you're there for and why you stay. It's cool to see people win, but it's cool see, to see people push far beyond anything that they would, and how you can you have control of your mind, you know. And and even though you say you can't, she still had a couple of laps in her, um, which was absolutely incredible.
0: Yeah, exactly. Like I'm totally guilty of that too. I've made the decision. Um, you know, I'm going to call it because I was in the low of the low. I didn't let it kind of ride out to reevaluate the situation. Yeah, I thought about it on my last lap. I was like, if I
1: go slower, I was like, now if I make this time, I'm going to have to go out and do this last lap. And then I thought, if I go slower and I time out, then I don't have to go. And then that's when I told myself to shut up and run. <laughs> mm-hmm. and because I didn't, I, you know, didn't want to leave it out there, because I would have known that I would have had to live with that thought. To, that I could have possibly made it. Um, yeah. I clearly couldn't, but, you know, and I think that's what everybody was, you battle with after you go that long, and then you're sleep-deprived on top of that. I mean, because at that point, two 20-minute naps, that ain't going to do nothing. You
2: <laughs> <know>? <laughs> right. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't think we mentioned that, but part of the race that's a little different than the normal last man standing is besides distance is, uh, every, tw- every 12 hours, they get a 20 minute break. So the runners get 20 minutes to, you know, catch up on maybe five minutes of sleep or just relax, get their muscles massaged. So that's changed. Yeah. Change their socks, change their clothes. Most
1: people would come in and change their clothes real quick and then, you know, either lay down or sit in the chair with their feet up and then close their eyes for a couple of minutes.
2: Well, most people were like you and I and didn't make it for 12
1: hours. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't even bring poles, John. I wasn't even looking because they changed it to eight hours is when you got your poles. And I was like, I'm not even dealing with poles. And I was like, if I make it eight hours, then I can go up one more lap without poles.
2: (laughs) You You wouldn't believe the difference that the poles make on that course. And I've never run with poles before just because I don't live in you know, Colorado or the Alps. But that first, in December, I took him out on the first lap, and, man, you could power up that hill. And back then, my quads were terrible, and I, I was pretty shot with my quads, like, 20 miles in. So I was literally putting one pole out in front of the other and leaning all the way on the right side, then left side hobbling down that first hill. So, like, I was planning on... uh Depending on those things, eventually. <laughs> well,
1: that was the other incredible thing. Justin never used poles. He used them for one lap, and he's like, "I can't use these," and tossed them away.
2: Yeah, that was pretty awesome.
1: <laughs> I mean, forty hours with no poles—it's incredible.
2: I mean, his training has just been insane. A guy goes out and runs twelve, fifteen, twenty miles every day, and he's looking at three thousand and sometimes ten thousand feet of vert. I mean. He's trained specifically for it. Then he spends another hour of a day doing strength training, or just you know, rela- massaging his muscles, with whatever. Whatever that thing they use—the gun. Like he, he is trained in an insane amount. And like going into the race, I had never intended on hanging with him to the end. But I thought you know maybe I can make it 24, 30 hours with him, or see what happens after that, or maybe he has a bad day and I end up doing better but you know he deserved it I know Eric I think you you had him on already right this week but he he had a good first year 70 miles and he came out and blew up last year but Rebecca and John were telling me you know in personal conversation with them about how they thought he would be one of the ones to go a long way because he had been trained hard and I mean those guys training and then paid off and they were the better athletes no doubt.
0: Yeah, because, John, I know you you made it like 22-ish miles, and, Jeff, you made it like five miles. So when it came to call it quits or timing out, you know, really what was going through your mind and what happened? Mine was easy. I just didn't train. <laughs>
1: I, I mean, I know that I'm not good at inclines anyways, just being from Florida, and I know that's an excuse. And that's really, you know, for me, anything – That I say is going to be an excuse because there were some runners that train in sea level areas and do really, really well. So for me, it was just, I've had a lot of stuff go on and it's one excuse after another and I didn't train. So I wasn't overly disappointed. I wanted more, but I wasn't disappointed because that's kind of what I expected. So for me, it wasn't um, anything other than just a lack of... Conditioning up the hills that kept me slow because I actually did pretty well um on the flats and the the decline. So you know, after I timed out, that's really where I was thinking is I I did I did better on the downhills than I thought I would. And I knew that I did poorly on the the uphills, but I knew I was gonna do bad on those. I was actually surprised I made it five (laughs) to be honest.
2: I mean, every everybody's in it for you know. Everybody has their own expectations on what they came out to do, and you know, as long as you're happy with if that's what you expected, then great. And like for me, it was like uh, it was. It, I'm still pretty bummed out about it. Like that's one of my you know things I've been looking forward to for almost you know a year, and they come and put up such a terrible time for myself (laughs) it's pretty disappointing I was telling Rebecca today I was like I'm just still in the dumps about this race but the good thing even was staying around and being able to see my buddies like crush it which was lifting I had get into the race I guess I'll go into it like I just had a massive failure it's like probably my most epic failure with my running history but it's more just a physical thing you know I have. I've always had GI type issues and just happened to be after about eight or 10 years, one flared up and I just got bloated for like five hours. And after went to go down stopped drinking, I just had to throw on the towel. So, but it was an awesome race either way. There's, you know, there's all this talk about toughness and ultra running and like, you know, don't drop out. And, you know, there's times when you should drop out. And I think, that was the day for me like you could push through and push through and then you end up in a bad situation and i've know that from personal experience (laughs) you know i was talking about my 40 mile race earlier well that was my first ultra and i was like i'm gonna go back and crush it so i went back and i think i got i don't even remember fifth place like three years later and i was like well i want to go back and win this race and be done with it so i trained I don't know, 2013 or something. And I went back. No, this is... I ran in 2006, 2012, and I came back in, like, 2016 to win it. And I was winning the race 20-something miles in, and I made a wrong turn and went, like, two miles off course. And then... uh, Advil in a race. Little did I know that's a bad idea, so... (laughs) I had one experience where I actually had like this, uh, camelback pouch on my, my waist and I had like these nuts and stuff for snacks and an ultra I'm eating it and I accidentally had an Advil on there and I ate it and like, I felt incredible afterwards. It was terrible when I bit down on it. So then I'm going into this 40 mile race. I'll have some Advil. Like I did that one race. Well, it's hot that day. I felt so bad, kind of similar to this race last weekend and like just my head got really foggy but i finished the race and got third place even though i lost first and i got that hundred dollar gift card well after the race i started feeling terrible <laughs> and i told my wife i was like i think i need to go to the hospital and she's like oh you don't need to go to the hospital you just need some electrolytes and i've never said i needed to go to the doctor in my life well ends up I was in the hospital for three days because I pushed through the pain and it was tough, you know. (laughs) I had rhabdomyolysis, or I think that's what you call it. So, mid-state mile, it was not going good at all. Like, my legs felt amazing, but physically, pee's getting really dark yellow, hardly peeing. The signs are all there. Hey, you need to drop out. And I made it in one loop with like 20 seconds left. And I that next loop like i just was not getting any better and i knew as much as i wanted this race it would have been stupid for me to keep going so i kind of just eased off and let that be my last loop timed out
0: yeah because like the whole thing's so humbling and honestly it brings you to like a raw and very honest level with yourself you know it's very makes you very vulnerable
2: Mm -hmm. yeah like jeff was saying you could You can go out there and be like, oh, I just need to ease off the pace. And like, if it was just a mental game, I would have been playing that game later on. But this was more like, it'd be stupid for me to keep pushing it. But everybody is out there having that mental game with themselves. Like, I probably could make it in this lap. Should I? Or do I want this to be my last lap? And then you got those guys and girls that are just so tough. they just keep pushing and pushing and pushing it and that's it's that's the challenge when you get to that spot that's when the race gets real for you
0: (laughs) yeah i guess so what advice would you give to other floridians that would uh consider coming down to the mid or coming up to the mid-state mile
1: if they're just watching, they need to go <laughs> and watch. <laughs> and if you're going to camp, bring a battery-powered fan. <laughs> um, the If you're going to run, from my perspective, is you just got to do everything you can to simulate elevation, and it's really hard. Um, but but find a coach and get some help to figure out what's going to be the best way to strengthen your legs and your cardiovascular. Um, Stamina to be able to get up those hills Time and time again
2: Yeah So if you're looking for a coach I can give you advice I'm not a coach But Becca Who is the Mm -hmm. co-director She's an amazing runner and coach She was first female at Georgia Jewel I think last year So she coaches And then Justin Hamilton who won the race Coaches so either one of them Even if you don't want to do this race, I would highly recommend both of them for coaching. Uh, But as a Floridian now, like (laughs) those used to be my home trails around there. But now that I'm here, like I go to the gym and I'll spend an hour on the stair climber. I've been doing strength training, you know, stuff I usually don't do. I never did leg workouts to this last year. Uh, I go like it's so boring, but I'll go over to the intercoastal bridge around us and there's on the side of it four flights of stairs and i'll just run up and down that get a weighted vest go up and down it walk in i mean you have to you have if you want to be successful at mid-state mile you had to do hills and you had to simulate downhills which is the hardest part mm-hmm. so if you're interested or if you ha- if you have any questions you can always reach out to me uh but if coaching john and i mean justin and rebecca can definitely help you make a plan for that yeah the downhills is something that i feel like it's very
0: people just don't look at that, that aspect of racing
2: oh yeah my my last time in ohio for uh, bob's big backyard big timber backyard ultra <laughs> you know i trained really hard and i'm like i'm gonna crush it this year but i had l- been living in florida for seven months and i didn't even think about hills <laughs> and I got to about mile 70 and my quads were shot and there's this the hills aren't even that steep but there's this one long gradual hill getting back to the finish line almost or like it's this road hill at night and like I couldn't run it I had to walk down and I timed out and I was like man I was not expecting that <laughs> so yeah downhill running is not something you can simulate on a piece of equipment at the, the gym you had to find some sort of way like and the only thing i can find down here is uh stairs that go up and down not the stair climber
1: right stairs and an overpass
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's the only place and then there's one other bridge like in west palm that's i think 10 miles is like 1200 feet but it has to be pretty steep and then the other thing is like these hills there aren't just steep they're really steep (laughs) it's like 20 percent grade going down so it's not something unless you're living by that it's really hard you got to be focused
0: but yeah so this year with the mid-state mile what would you say is the good the bad and the ugly
1: that's a tough question um (laughs) you know for me the 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 good was uh, we've just oozed about it for over an hour about the community and seeing how many people just pushed way beyond what their, what they thought their capabilities were. Um, The, the bad was my finish, (laughs) or maybe that's the ugly. I don't know. (laughs) Uh, But um, I don't know if there was a bad, I mean, it was hot, but it, you know, it wasn't as hot as it was the year before. And overnight it got cooler But it was a a wonderful weekend by and large. I don't know if I could say that there was too much bad or ugly.
2: I couldn't, I can't think of a bad. I could think of ugly just like you, like my personal time, but like, you know, it's just special. (laughs) It's a special event. Uh, I'd say the good is like a lot of these after Mid State Mile and uh, or the murder mile I got to do in December, I touched, I, Got connected with a lot of these guys on Instagram, but meeting them all in person and getting that personal connection was awesome. Getting to see my friends again. Like, that's my favorite part about it is just seeing these guys and girls that I've connected to online and getting to share those miles. And it's just something about it that's, you know, for me, uh, tying for first place in the Forgotten Florida 100 doesn't compare to just being out there at this, even if I didn't place, it's such a better feeling for me.
0: Yeah. So I guess that takes me right into the final, I guess the question we'll close it out with, you know, what's kind of that, the final thoughts, that final opinions about this year's mid state mile. It's raised the bar.
1: I mean, it's when you have a, a course record crushed by a couple of hours by two guys, You know, when you see them go that long, it just raises the bar on how people need to show up. And then if you want to compete, and then for me, it's just how excited I am to train, to do better than I did this year. And then, like John said, just to see everybody again. I mean, it's Father's Day weekend, so my family's cool with me going up there and not being with them on Father's Day. But maybe next year, if I can guarantee a a double-digit lap finish, that maybe they'll come up there this year. <laughs> <laughs> it's your Father's Day, gifts, you know?
2: Yeah, it is, yeah. <laughs>
1: hey,
2: it's Nashville, too. There's plenty to do. <laughs> the performance this year was just incredible. <laughs> say enough about that. But final thoughts, I would say, too, is okay. go do it. If, if you're interested, go do a back year at Ultra. There's, what, hundreds of them going on around the world. And I know that uh, the one that connected me to a lot of people around here is Death D'Apli which my buddy Leo Acosta puts on. That's about the easiest course you can find for a backyard ultra style. So it's really flat. It's a little bit sandy, but I think this year, you know, February was 86 degrees, but usually it's not that warm even down here in February. Try one of those out, and I guarantee you, you'll like the atmosphere, and it'll be one making you want to come back and see what you are capable of. It's like you come out and set this bar, and it's like, man, I could have done so much better if I'd done this different, and and it's uh just a good test. So yeah, that's awesome. Come volunteer; they're always asking for volunteers.
0: Yeah, because that'd be a good way to experience it without and learn everything before actually doing it.
2: Or come out to the Murder Mile in uh December. I mean, that's the best way. And the the good thing about that 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 whole race is a little different in itself is you have 40 hours starting the day before, then 12 hours later, 16 hours later, you have the 24 hour, then you have a 12 hour start and then a six hour. And then there's another six hour and another 12 hour at night. So it's like all these different races in themselves are going on at the same time. And (laughs) if you're competitive, you're like, I don't know who's in which race or who's passing me from this race. And then at night there's about, 100 headlamps going up and down these hills (laughs) and it's just they got christmas lights strung through the trees with a generator running at the bottom of this one hill it's just something about it (laughs) so come out to that too that's easier to get into get into that and then it's easier for you to get into the summer race
0: yeah that's awesome well hey guys i appreciate it this is awesome yeah thanks for
2: the invite yeah thanks joseph heck yeah (laughs)
1: it well, is. Fellas, well, <laughs> i need to hop off i've got a um i'm doing a ig live with tyler Geiger. i don't know if you remember him john He's, but he made it like 63 laps so yeah 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 i remember but i gotta get ready for that so guys i appreciate it joseph thank you for the invite i'm, I'm really oh, yeah. honored heck yeah thanks a lot it's a good time all right fellas we'll see you right. Yep. Yeah, thanks.
2: thanks bye
0: all right and there we have it episode 38 of the florida trail runners podcast you know it's always great hearing stories from races that floridians are doing out of the state as well as here in the state there's always a lot to learn you know especially in that last man standing format but with that coming up we also have the stories from the moon over karoom a local race here in florida so stay tuned for that And hey, until
2: next time, happy trails.